If you have your Bibles, please crack them open right now. Join me in the book of Mark. Join me in the book of Mark. Mark comes right after Matthew, in case you didn't know that. Mark, the book of Mark comes right after the book of Matthew. Man, I love, I love God's presence today. Amen. Um, if you've been around for the past five weeks now, you know that we've been on a series that started last time I was in this building. And it was uh, February, was it? It's the second to the last Sunday. That's the third Sunday uh, in February. It was the last time we had a service in this place. And we are here again. For those who might be listening afterwards, we are here again in this same hall today for our physical service. And we've been in, for the past five weeks now, we've been on a series called what? Dad, sorry, I almost said daddy issues. I'm so sorry. I'll say it again. We've been on a series for, for five weeks now. Come on, help me. Save Jesus. Amen. If you're a fan of hip-hop, then you must have heard the song by Cardi B and Meg The Stallion. I'm not referring to that song. This is a whole different ballgame. This is Savage Jesus, not, not Savage Cardi or Savage Real Rules and Principles. Amen. On our feet, everybody, as we honor God's word, the book of Mark chapter 10, and we'll start from verse 17. Mark chapter 10, and in verse 17, it says this. As Jesus started on the way, on his way, sorry, a man ran up to him, and fell on his knees before him. Good teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus uh, answered. No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments, you should not murder, you should not commit adultery, you should not steal, you should not give false testimony, you should not defraud, honor your father and mother. Teacher, he declared, all this I have kept since I was a boy. Amen? All this I have kept since I was a boy. Now Jesus looked at him and loved him. One thing he lacked, Jesus answered, Go, sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have what? Treasure in heaven. This is Mark 10, now verse 22. At this the man's face fell. At this the man's face fell. Right? He went away sad because he had great wealth. Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? The disciples were amazed at his words, but Jesus said again, Children, how hard is it, is it or how hard it is, sorry, to enter the kingdom of God? It is easier for, me, for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is richer, so who is rich, I don't know what's wrong with me, to enter the kingdom of God. The disciples were even more amazed and said to one another, Who then can be saved? And Jesus looked at them and said, With man, this is impossible, but not with God. All things are possible with God. Amen now. All things are what? Possible with God. Amen. Uh, today, God has given me a word for this moment, and we are going to honor him. And I'm going to honor him by delivering it to us today. Amen now. Um, I pray, Holy Spirit, that this word that you have given me, God, that you would bring it forth, God, to your children today, Holy Spirit. God, let it go out the way you want it to. We exalt you, Father God. You are most exalted in this moment. As the greatest gift, uh, greatest gift of all time, God, and the greatest guest of all time. We worship you in this place, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father God. May your name be praised. In Jesus' mighty name we have prayed. Amen. 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 God bless you. You may be seated in God's presence. Amen. What a wonderful time to be in God's presence. Savage Jesus, last week we had a great talk, we had a bowl talking about Jesus freeze and uh, it was a conversation between Jesus and uh, the uh, Jewish disciples, right? Uh, they were like, you say we, are, you say we need to be free but we're descendants of Abraham, we've never been enslaved to anybody before and we did all that last week about how though we are, though we are what is it now? We are children of God, right? We still have certain things that we might have been bondaged to. Amen now. Amen. And we spoke about how Jesus, and, and how the, 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 the and we, most, most especially us now, because I'm trying to make this sermon relate to us now, we are oftentimes oblivious to our own bondages, right? We're oftentimes oblivious to our own bondages. We are shackled to stuff, right? Not just uh, the usual things, right? 
But you know, it, it, we are, it is even more dangerous nowadays because then we are, in, in, imagine prisoners who are allowed to watch Netflix. Right? That's how this world is right now. Prisoners who are allowed to use their phones. You know, you're not physically molested, you're not, you're not, you're not stripped and water host every morning. You're, right? they, don't, they don't do an internal search where they take your butthole and stuff like that. For whether or not you brought stuff into the prison, they don't do that. Right? But it does not mean we, cannot, we are not prisoners to certain things. Right? You, cannot, you, cannot keep your, you cannot keep your eyes off of your phone for five minutes. You cannot even shut your eye and pray without thinking about how to get money next time. Right? So we are shackled to stuff and we do not realize it. The only way we can really check it is when we, when we measure our dependency on distance. Amen now. Amen. And uh, this is what we've been learning. That's what we learned last week. We're going to learn something today that I believe the Holy Spirit laid in my heart. And I'm going to get it across to all of us now. Amen now. Amen. But think of this phrase, everybody. Think of this phrase, God first. Think of the phrase in your mind right now. God first. You must have heard it before. It's um, on your Instagram bio, right? It is on your profile page or something like that. Right, right? you know, God first. And I love the phrase so much because, I, I mean, it's not on my bio for reasons I would say. Okay, let me, say, let me say it now. The reason I don't have a God first on my Instagram bio is this. It's not that God is not first, but if there's anything I hate the most in my life, it's hypocrisy. Because, you know, it's so funny. We think, we see, I mean, then the thing goes crazy. We see, we see an Instagram, I see an Instagram bio like this. God first, they see Aquarius beside it. <laughs> like, God first, Pisces, medical student, you know, three out of five, child, three out of five. Like, I'm like, what is this? <laughs> Amen? Like, what I find to be so crazy, and this is why I genuinely do not put God first in any of my bio. Like, check any of my profile pages, you'll never see a God first. It's not because God is not first in my life, but I like to be realistic with myself. We say God first, but sometimes I am burdened with a question in my spirit, you know, that I feel like the Holy Spirit is asking me that question back. Right? Is God really first? Are you listening now? I mean, on the surface, you can say, yes, he is first. You just sang praises to him a few minutes ago. You exalted him, you lifted your hands, you enjoyed the worship. I enjoyed the worship to God. Was God, the Holy Spirit was present. He's still present anyway. It was great. All of that was great. And then we assume, or we, are, we, we swiftly make this conclusion that God is first. That's because we experienced him, you know, in a very short amount of time. Amen. Now, we say God is first because sometimes we pray first in the morning. But you see, if God, God first is limited to our order of priorities in, your day, in our day, I mean, to some extent it is good, but if we only limit God to our schedule, that is, limit, our, limit that phrase, God first, to where we put God on our itinerary for the day, then I think we do that phrase a huge disservice. What do you mean, Pastor Mano? I'll explain. God first, right? Yes, he's first in all of my life. Is first, but in the integral parts of my life, because you know that as much as we are human beings, we are just made up of tiny components. We are tiny units. You get me now? We are made up, I see your face and it's pretty and all that, but inside of you we have, we have blood cells, and we've got blood vessels, we've got cells, right? I remember back then in high school, we had this thing called, I don't, remember, I don't know what it's called, but like this hierarchy of cell formation or something like that. We've got, we've got, uh, was it now? We've got blood or cell, We've got tissue, we've got muscles, we've got a uh, system, right? That's what the skeletal systems and all the other systems are, right? Now, what am I saying? Every part of us is, a, is made up of tiny components. And so if we say God first, we have to consider all the components, right? We've got to break it down. Is God first in so-and-so area? Are you following me now? Like, I could say God first, but when it comes down to God and my stomach, my stomach probably comes first. You get me now? You can say God first as a student, but when it comes to God and you're reading for a course that you have its exams, you know, common sense tells you, you get an exam tomorrow, you cannot pray now. Read now, pray later. Right? It is common sense, right? It is, I'm not saying it's correct or it's wrong anyway. I'm not, I don't want to put anybody in the spot right now. What I'm trying to say is, we say God first, but if we really hold a, if God holds a magnifying lens over every detail of our lives, I don't think he will find himself first in everything. Are you following me now? Yes. When it comes to where we get advice from, 
most of us would consider going to someone for advice first before actually considering praying to God. Are you following me now? Some of us, even when we do pray to God, you see, that's the thing. We kind of, like, I know it is great to pray every morning when you wake out of your bed. I know it's good, to, it's good to see God's face in the morning. But really, are you doing that because you really want to seek his face? Or are you really just doing that to check it off as a box on your schedule, right? I prayed this morning, so I'm safe. I prayed this morning, so we're good. God, we're good. I'm, I'm good, you're good, we're good together, right? Don't, don't, don't trouble me during my day. Let no harm come my way this day. Because I prayed to you, God Almighty, let my day be straight. You feel me? Like some of us will just numb or reduce God down to that thing. But God does not just want to be a box to check every day, every now and then. Some of us, it is, it's even worse. The only time we ever really speak to God is on Sundays. Right? In those short moments, what you say, or, or, sorry, some of us, the only time we really call God is when something happens. And we're not even calling God. We're only, it's only an exclamation. Jesus! Like, oh my God. The only time God ever hears his word, his name on our mouths or lips, is what we are. Some, some of us, when we are cursing. They get me. And so we can glamorously put on our bio, God first. And do you know what is crazy? I usually check, now I, I know, I, have, I said this, y'all pray for me, I am petty. I said this a billion times, privately, I haven't said it in public, but I get really petty in the sense that whenever I see an Insta bio or Twitter, whatever it is, and I see God first, I skip the page. Or if anything, if I click that page, I am going to look at the person's posts. Because I am seeing a God first on your bio, but every photo on your Instagram profile is your belly button. I know it's crazy, but it's true, right? God first, but my body is, my body is Lord on this page. Again, get what I'm saying now? God first, but you don't want to post Christian content on your Instagram profile. Because you're afraid that would just ruin the, 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 what's that word? the algorithm. You're, you're afraid it will put you in the wrong place. place. You don't want to make, you don't want to make, you, you know, you're making your TikTok, you say, on your TikTok is, is God first. I don't know what I'm coming for social media today. But on your TikTok, you put it there, God first. But every video on your talk is just you doing some random challenge and showing off. I don't know, do, do you get what I'm saying? We say God is first, but in so many ways, our body is Lord. You see, the real way to know what, is, what really comes first in our lives, right, is when, we, is when we really examine what is Lord in our lives. I get it now. But the problem there is we fail to do this check, and so somehow a part of us assumes that, you know, because I did this religious activity, I am, you know, 100% for God. You know, God first in my life and everything I'm doing, but really it's false, to be honest. Sometimes it's very much far from the truth. Because the story we just read in the Bible right now, in Mark 10, 17, tells us something important. The story is the story of a rich young ruler who comes over to meet Jesus. The Bible says he falls on his knees. Some guess it from a distance, he sees Jesus and he starts to run. Some people say he's a Pharisee, right? The Bible says he's so, like, it's like he sees Jesus from a distance and he starts to run towards Jesus. And he falls on his, at his feet and he says, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Are you following me now? And God's and Jesus' response to him was, what, you know, kind of like intrigued me in this text because it is so beautiful if you, if you read what Jesus said. What Jesus said is so beautiful and so bold, right? At the same time, Jesus says this, why do you call me good? There's only one good person, and he's God Almighty. Why do you call me good? Now, I want you to listen to this. Jesus, the, the man comes and says, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, why do you call me good? Because now, remember, all through this series, there has just been one thing God has been trying to check in his disciples especially, people who want to follow Jesus. You know, all five weeks now we've been focusing on Jesus. It's a story about Jesus. I know the entire Bible talks about Jesus one way or the other, but right now in this series we are focusing on Jesus and how he dealt with people, disciples, people who wanted to follow him. Are you following me now? And one problem, and one thing, by the way, better still, that Jesus was intentional about when it came to, or when it comes to how he dealt with these people, 
was he had to check their, the value of their recognition. Hear me now? What do they recognize? Jesus turned to this man and said, Why do you call me good? Only God is the one who is good. In this place, don't get it wrong, this is not Jesus saying he is not good. This is not Jesus minimizing his place as God. This is Jesus questioning whether or not this man understands the words that just came out of his mouth. Are you following me now? Sometimes I wonder if God does the same thing for us in church service, right? Whenever we praise, we, we sing praise and we're like, Lord, we bless, we bless your name. Forever I will sing and sing your praise. I wonder if God is in heaven thinking, does she know the meaning of what she's singing? Are you following me now? I feel like God is, in, is asking from heaven, right? Does he know what he's praying for? I mean, some days ago we were talking the other day and we were talking about how we pray foolish prayers, you know? Those mindless prayers. Right? God, take away everything. Just give me Jesus. Right? And you pray that and you don't think about it. But I'm grateful God doesn't answer every foolish prayer. Because you know one thing God is never going to do? God is never, God created emotions, but he's never an emotional God. That is, he's never a God that, can, that is ruled by his emotions. You get me? He's never a God that, you know, you can cajole into... See, one thing I... See, I hate this thing so much that people do it. Flattery. I hate when you try to flatter me. It is not in my DNA, like the room to accommodate flattery. Any form of flattery, I do not know how... And it's not, it's not like I'm being repugnant or anything. I just do not have context for flattery. I do not know how to receive it. I do not know how to accept it. So one thing I do is it, pro, it, it provokes me I got someone who tries to flatter me at any chance he gets. Every chance he gets. He tries to flatter, tries to say something nice. And in my mind, I'm like, fam, just shut up, man. And some of us, we, try to, we, we, we hope in our minds that our worship flatters God on Sundays. We hope somehow that one good deed would flatter God. Let me tell you all a story, a very interesting story. We, we are sitting in this hall. And yesterday, as we were here praying and all that, uh, preparing this place for service, I remembered an incident that happened about a year ago. I was right where I'm standing right now. I was the only one in this place, and I was sweeping here. Place, place is really huge if you've never been here. And I was sweeping this place alone. And in my mind, I was complaining to God. I can never forget this conversation. I was like, God, you can see what I'm doing? You see, I'm the only one, God. You better bless me, God. See, I'm the only one. You know, it's kind of like you're sulking up to God. Like, God, you better compensate me now. And I honestly, and I, I never forget this, I honestly felt like the Holy Spirit responded to me. And this is what the Holy Spirit said. Very spiritual, very powerful what he said. Very, very powerful thing about it. He said, um, what have you done? You get it? Like, ouch, level 15 burn. Like, God, the Holy Spirit was like, what have you done? And in the moment he said it, I burst into laughter, laughter. Because I knew what he meant. And we're so swift to demanding compensation from God. When we've not even really done anything, to be honest. We somehow, at the back of our minds, we hope that even our service to God is us, God, is us doing God a favor. So somehow we hope that we are, trying, we are flattering God, right? Or we make God feel good when we do good. So in, our back of, in the back of our mind, some of us, we think whatever good we do, you give tithes, you, sow, you, sow, you give offerings and tithes, you think you do that for God. Like, God, I'm giving you this, man, so you don't feel broke this week. Just hide it, keep this change, buy more with it. That's how we do with God. This man ran up to Jesus and said, good master, right? What must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? Right? And it, 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 it behooves me to think, what ways am I also doing the same thing? Trying to walk my way up to God? You know people who pray and they are like using all the big names in the Bible? Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah Shammah, Jehovah Nisi, Jehovah Alpha and Omega, and you know, at, at the end of everything, Jehovah, Jehovah Shekinu, Jehovah God Almighty, the one who split the red ocean, the one who made Pharaoh's heart hot, uh, sorry, his first heart hard, the one who did good and mighty things, the one with the mighty finger, this is the, this is the finger of God, the Egyptian magician said, and we say all these cute things, and we just don't want to ask God, let never bring the lights. Like in, uh, I know, right? It, it is so stupid. 
When you try to approach God, this is the first time I'm trying, I'm trying to tell us today. It is so stupid when you try to approach God from a place of flattery. Now don't get me wrong. I'm not saying don't worship God. I'm not saying don't call God great names. But God is not a child, right? God is not a, it's not, God is not a puppy. You know puppies, dogs, right? When, they, when you rub them behind, beneath their chin, on the head, they love it. But God is not, a, God is not someone who can be rubbed on the head to make, feel, to make feel good. Are you getting me? So the first mistake this man made was by saying, good master, without realizing the power in the word he had just spoken. And so Jesus says, why do you call me good? There's only one good person. Because Jesus is trying to understand if he is calling him good master because he knows he is God, or he's calling him good master because he wants something from him. Are you following me, everybody? And so it makes me think deep. Do I do the same thing? When I give or do good, is it from a place where I am thinking that God, feel, God feels better about me doing this? Because I did this, rather. Do I feel at the back of my mind? Because we get often, we often, see, one trick of the enemy is to get us really legalistic, right? But we think that because we did good, God will do us good. Are you following me now? Because I did good, God will do me good. If you have that mindset, then you also have the mindset of, if you did bad, God will do you bad. If you did God wrong, he will do you wrong bad. But you forget that God is holy, right? If God, if, and meaning of God being holy is he cannot sin against us. He cannot do us evil. Because there is no evil in God. Are you getting me now? Yes, sir. And so the first mistake he makes is by saying, good master. And then, he says, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? And this is the first thing the Holy Spirit, like, just pointed my attention to us. You know, I did not, funny enough, let me tell you this. Right? I don't even read the text when the Holy Spirit started speaking to me. The Holy Spirit started speaking to me, like, remember, Emmanuel, remember that story? Right? The one in Mark, you know, no, 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 he didn't tell me where the story was located. I had to go find it. That's my job. Right? It would have been cool if he did. He does it sometimes, to be honest. But, like, this one was like, he was speaking, remember that story that you read one time about the rich young ruler who came to Jesus? I'm like, yeah, 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 Holy Spirit. And he started talking to me about it. And then the first thing, the second thing that I'm going to say now was this. When he got to Jesus, he said, um, what must I do to inherit the kingdom of heaven? What must I do? He said this. Our failure to recognize our inability to, inability to please God is what, is what uh, drives us into thinking that we can win our way into God's heart by our good deeds or by our works. Are you following me now? Yes, our inability, that is our failure to recognize our inability to please God on our own, is what drives us into that corner where we start to think we can win our, we can win our way into God's heart if we only play it right. Are you following me now? And this is exactly the same thing that this young rich ruler did. Jesus said, you know the rules, you know the commandments, you know the law. Do not kill, do not murder, do not commit, you know, do not do this, do not do that. And, and you know what he said? All this I have kept since I was young. And Jesus was like, really? Oh, one more thing. Go and sell all your properties so you can gain uh, properties in heaven. And come back and follow me. You see, one thing there is, is inability to understand that there is no good deed. The Bible says there is no good person. No, not one. Your, your inability to understand the fact that you are not as useful as you think. Are you following me now? Yes. Your inability to understand the fact that you are not as useful as you think. And whether or not, or not you choose to, to work for God does not change God or make God any less, in, uh, less ineffective or less effective. Are you following me now? Yes, sir. And this young rich ruler, Jesus says, you know the law? Do not commit adultery, right? Do not do this, do not do that. And it was like, all this I have kept since, my, since I was young, since I was born. But even I don't believe him. Because you see, 
the fulfillment, the external fulfillment of the Lord, right? <laughs> it's BS, to be honest, because of this. Listen to me. If we could fulfill the law on the outside, that's great. But the point of the law was not just to safeguard our exteriors, exteriors right? But the law is an internal thing. Yes. Do not commit murder, right? But do you ever really wish someone dead in your mind? Do you get it? Yes. The Bible says, after, Jesus, after he said what he said, Jesus looked at him lovingly. You know, this is loving ignorance. Jesus looked at him and was like, if only you knew that I heard your thought last night. If only you knew that I saw the way you looked upon that lady. Do you get me? If only you knew just how imperfect you are. Are you following me now? If only you knew just how broken you are. If only you knew just how much in need of a savior you are. If only you knew just how much imperfect you were. Amen now. And somehow, this rich young ruler somehow thought that his good deeds was all that counted. Do you get me? And Jesus then said, um, you know what? Go back, sell all your properties, and come. Now, does it mean that God does not want us, okay, let me say this. Does it mean God does not want us rich? Does it mean God doesn't want us to have wealth? Does it mean God doesn't want us to have the things that pertain to life and to godliness and all these things? Does it mean God does not want us to have to be able to, you know, do the things that we need to do? Right? Does it mean God does not want us to have money, whatever it is? Of course not. Jesus says this. He says, go and sell everything, right? So you can have treasure in heaven and come back and follow me. Somehow, listen to this now. I want everybody to pay attention to this, right? Let me, let me bring my pulpit closer to y'all so I wouldn't have to like go backward every time. Listen to this. Treasure in heaven, right? To have treasure in heaven, Jesus said, all you have to do is do good, right? Uh, go back, sell everything, so you can do, so you can make heaven. So you know, so you can have treasure in heaven. But if you want a place in heaven, Jesus says, follow me. You know, we are in a time right now where we assume. Now, don't get me wrong. Love is great. Loving your neighbor is good. It's a great thing. But somehow we assume that we can, you know, uh, what's this word now? We can replace these two things. And somehow we, we, we put so much emphasis on our, on our philanthropy, right? On our, on our philanthropy, right? We, we, we think just because of how good I, how much good I can do. That, that is the measure by which I will be rewarded. Of course, you will have treasures in heaven, right? Let me tell you something. Paul says that if you speak in the tongues of angels and you do not have love, you are like a high-sounding, high-clashing symbol. You sound like high-clashing symbols. You're making noise. It's like, it's like, Symbols with no rhythm. You are making noise. So get, don't get me wrong, love is great. You have treasures in heaven. But do you want a place in heaven? Follow me. But you see, the problem is this. Listen to this, I, I wrote this down. Is your heart focused on your estate or God's? Are you following me now? Is your heart focused on your, on your estate? Or God's. What does it mean? Somehow, even, well, you, I mean, look at this text. Look at, look at this text we just read. You would, you would think this man was ready for what Jesus was about to say. Just by how he presented himself. He came and fell, fell before his knees and was like, Good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right? And he was doing all of that. And the first error he made was he, shouldn't not, he should not have said good master. Because Jesus was like, okay, if you think I'm good, why do you think I'm good? Who told you I was good? Now what makes you confident that I am good? Because I really want to know if you think me to be God, or you think me to be someone you can use to get to God. 
You get me now? Yes, sir. Second mistake he made was by saying, what can I do? Fam, the entire point of Jesus' existence, right, is to be the bridge between us and God. Because, I mean, Jesus is coming to life, not his existence, I mean, say, him coming to flesh, coming in form of flesh, right? And so he, can, he, he could, you know, be the bridge between us and God. Bible says he's the door, right? Ego and me, etura, right? Or ego and my, whatever it is, if you don't see the English, right? Etura, that is, I am the door, right? And so he is the door to the Father. He says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. This man wants the way to eternity. He's standing right in front of the gates. He's standing right in front of the way. And he's standing right in front of the life that he's going to get in the eternity. But somehow he assumes that it is by his works. Somehow we, somehow, and you know it's funny, a, a version calls this man a Pharisee, a religious leader. So somehow you should, you, be, you would think that, you would just think that the religious leader would be the one to understand that his works does not earn him favor before God. But somehow he did not even know this. And it's the same way for each and every one of us. It is very easy to slip into that space where we think that we can work to earn or work to deserve God's favor. And if you want that side of God, let me tell you, it, exi it exists. If you want the side of God that measures the good he does to you by the good you do, it exists. But I, I'm grateful I'm not under that law. Because that is called the law. That is the time of the law. You want to put yourself under that standard, that Sinai, that is Mount Sinai where the law was given, the commandments were given? That is the error of the commandment, where the good you received was, about, was based on the measure of the good you did. You feel me now? I remember when the Langer first started, I was speaking with this person one time, and I was talking to him about, him about grace, and he was like, no, okay, I think I put out our first sermon, and then he reached out to me and was like, man, I love the sermon, it was great, but you know what? Um, I mean, it was like, I love the video, I loved everything that was there, but you know, man, I don't really believe in grace. I was like, yo, talk to me. His name is Terrell, right? I remember his name is Terrell. I was like, Terrell, talk to me about what, what, what do you mean? I was like, fam, I don't really believe in grace. Like, you just don't do nothing, you know, and uh, you just get free things and stuff like that. And I understand where he was coming from. I mean, there are errors in, the era, in this era of grace, right? Where people preach, you know, like prosperity comes where you just sleep on your bed and pray. Believe, that's all you need to do. That's crap. Because you're going to be broke believing. Are you following me now? And I don't want to be a broke believer, right? So I gotta work hard. That's not. But that, in in this sense now, we have. It is very easy for us to fall into the side that religious legalistic side, where we kind of like measure what God can do for us by how much we do. But I am so grateful. God does not bless me by how much good I do. Don't get me wrong. Now, God blesses and honors our good do deeds and good doings. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying your good deeds are, are a waste. No, no, no. God honors it. God loves it when we, do, when we do good. God loves it when we love our neighbors as ourselves. He loves all that. But that's not what I'm trying. What, what I'm trying to say is, when we then begin to assume that what he does to us, right, is based off of what we can do for him. This young man asks, what can I do? Maybe he's asking, listen, this might be crazy, right? Maybe he's asking, God, good master, what can I do for you? How much do you need to buy me a place in heaven? Wow. Wow. Are you following me now? Maybe that's where his mind was at, right? Good master, how much do I need to pay you that I may get a great place in heaven? I like a bedroom, a great suite, a place that has got windows and a jacuzzi in it. Right? An ocean view place that I'll just come out of it and look upon the glassy oceans. You follow me now? Yes, sir. Perhaps that was what this man's, man's mindset was. Another thing I want to show you, another thing I, I, I discovered. He said this. He said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Now, another thing. This man is a rich young ruler. So it's possible... Listen now. Because this is, this is the part that would, that would really, really freak me when I, as I think about it even now. It is possible this man was not just asking for eternity because he wanted to go there to worship God. Because of when Jesus asked him to give every, all of his properties away and he couldn't do it, he tells me one thing. And what does, what, what does he tell me? He tells me that this young ru ruler, right, he was not looking towards 
an, a, the heaven that we look at or we look forward to. Something tells me that this young, young ruler was only looking for an eternal, eternal security for even his riches. Like, good master, what can I do? Because of this, they fear death. You get it now? People fear death, right? Even politicians, people who steal money, they fear death. Because they know they can only store these paper bills for as long as they have breath in their lungs. The moment they breath, they, they stop breathing, they die. So how can they take this money with them to heaven? Are you getting me now? Some of us, what we are praying for is not God's estate. That we might go to heaven and worship God in his kingdom. Some of us, all we are really concerned about is our estate. Our estate, right? The things that I possess. How can I possess? How can I keep them forever? Right? How can I be the same dude in heaven? That is why some, some Sadducees and Pharisees came to Jesus one time and they asked him, um, hey, master, a hey, rabbi, a hey, teacher guy, um, say a woman gets married and uh, a husband dies and without, without any child, right? They don't have any child. And then our, by the law of Moses, our brother is to, the bro- his brother is to marry his late brother's wife. And then the brother dies with no issue still. And before we know, seven brothers, right? And then they ask this, and then, the woman, and then the seventh brother dies, still no issue, and then the woman herself dies. When they get to heaven, the Sadducees ask Jesus, whose wife would she be? Because they've been seven. And Jesus looked at them with, and was like, in his mind, he must have been, you foolish vipers, right? <laughs> like, what in the world are you even asking me? Right? Because what they were asking is, how can she keep our estate even when she transitions into eternity? I follow me now. And now we can laugh at the young rich ruler, but we do it too. Some of us, all we are really concerned about is how we can keep even a relationship till eternity. We don't really, we don't really care about worshiping God. Right? The reason we want to get to heaven is for some of us to escape hell. Right? Of course, nobody wants, no, nobody wants to go to hell. Want to go to hell. People will say, like, I'm, I'm going to go to hell. Y'all don't know what is in hell. I tell, I, I, like, I tell people all the time, if you knew what was in hell, you wouldn't even wish it for a neighbor. So don't pe- people who, like, who, you know, we have people who just do mad stuff. And every time I see someone do something completely mad, like put a horn in their head, all I see is the, a, a, a literature rebelling against God. You know when a child has to rebel against his parents or her parents, you do the thing they don't want you to do? So you go home wearing trousers, for example, when if you live in a home that the parents don't like trousers, you go home intentionally wearing trousers. Or you boy, you roll your hair, you put on necklaces or whatever it is, just so you could rebel against your parents. Because you desire an amount of freedom. That's all I see people do these things do. That's all I, all I, I just see them as kids. You go up and, and create something called the Church of Illuminati. Right? Church of the devil. I don't think you really are worshipping the devil. No, don't get me wrong. Of course, they're worshipping the devil. But I don't think they know they're worshipping the devil. Because if they knew, trust me, they would 180 degrees or 300, no, not even 3, 180. They would 180 out of that place immediately. But they don't know. It's out of rebellion. Are you getting me now? Now, what am I saying? What am I saying? This young ruler wants to Proposes his way to heaven because he wants to keep he wants to secure his giftings he wants to secure the fame and somehow when this brings me back to my initial illustration right when we say God first when we think about it deep down is God really first some of us our properties and materials are first our job is first our ideals first our plans first our way first, our desires first. Are you following me now? Yes, sir. And so is God really first? I ask you today. Are you following me now? Because as we read, as we read even verse 19 of that text in Mark chapter 10, look at what verse 19 says. I want to show you something. I want to say, show you something. Now look at what verse 19 says. 
It says this. Give me a minute now. It says this, right. You know the commandments. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not give false testimony. You shall not defraud. Honor your father and mother. The teacher declared, all the teacher he declared, rather, all these I have kept since I was a boy. You see, it's never just about the outright, outward righteousness. You know, it's not just about the outright sin. You know that we commit. It's not just about the things that we see. It's not just about the external outward things. Are you listening to me now? Because Jesus was able to successfully, everybody says successfully. successfully. Jesus was able to successfully uncover another sin. You know what it was? Material idol. Jesus was able to uncover another God. You know what it was? The idol of material things. Because, listen to this, and this is what, listen, don't get me wrong, Jesus is not always holding the magnifying lens of our lives, searching through and through to see whether God is first, to see whether we have sins inside of our lives. God is not evil. But let me tell you something, and I want you to pay attention to this so you don't miss this. This is the greatest point in this sermon, I believe. If you think you are right before God's righteous standards, you will always be wrong. Are you following me now? If you think that you are right before God's righteous standards, you will always be wrong. Because you do not expect to come before the throne of a judge who is God and be right. You cannot expect to come before the throne of the Almighty One, the fearful and terrible One, and still be right. Bible says in the book of Isaiah chapter 9, I believe, it said, In the year the king Uzziah died, then I saw the Lord. Sit high amongst the, you know, high and enthroned amongst the cherubims. But Bible says this. He said, he said, Isaiah said, Woe is me. I am imperfect. Peter met Jesus and looked at the five. And after Jesus did a great miracle before, for Peter, before Peter, Peter have, you know, caught a great harvest of fish. You know what, you know, you know what Peter said afterwards? Rather than man, Jesus. Okay, you know what? Think about this, right? If I was, if I were Peter, oh no, if Peter, no, not, not me, definitely it wouldn't have been me. If Peter was an evil man, right? Peter would have said, Jesus, you're a great business partner. How about we open a business partner, Jesus and Peter Enterprises? We make fish, we can it, we, we, you know, we sell it. You know, I just get to the, I get to the, I'm the, you know, I'm the fisherman guy, I'm the guy with the nets. You speak, the fishes will appear, I catch them, reel them in, and we make some good sales tonight. But I'm grateful Peter didn't say that. Instead, Peter didn't also say, Wow, my Lord, you're awesome. Come to my house. Let, what do you want me to offer you? Peter didn't say that either. You know what Peter says in Luke 5, verse 3 or 4, thereabout? He says, so, he says this, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Are you following me now? If you come before the throne of God's righteous standards, you will always be wrong. What does that mean? Listen to me. On my own righteousness, it is rags. Based on my own dealings, I am crap. Based on my own ability to please God, I, I am defaulting. Based on my ability to make God happy, on my ability, on my flesh. The Bible says, in our flesh dwells no good thing. Are you following me now? So on my own ability, on my own account, I am a sinful man. Not worthy of God's favor, not worthy of God's attention, not worthy to see God's face. And so if you come before God thinking you're right, you will always be wrong. Are you following me now? Because what Jesus was trying to get the man to understand was listen it is not about what, what your ability to please me. All, really, all it is really about is I. Do get it now? It is about whose ability? Christ's ability. It's about Jesus. Not about you. But somehow we get selfish and self-sufficient. Are you following me now? Somehow we get too selfish and self-sufficient that we think we matter. 
We think our skills matter. You know, when we are in church, for example, we think that it is because we're able, you know, my skills matter. My ability to think matters. You know, even I was in this place, right, where I think all that mattered was my ability to preach a great sermon. Right, a sermon that would make you all start clapping and rolling your heads, like, oh my goodness, this dude is so intelligent. And I was in this place, I'm not gonna, I'm throwing myself under the bus, right? So I don't throw anyone else, right? But I was also in this place, y'all follow me, follow me. We, I was also in this place where I, I, I got so religious in that sense, where I thought, you know, that I mattered, where I thought that it was all about me, right? You know, my ability to do this well, my ability to sing well, my ability to write well, my ability to speak well, until God made a big fool of me. Right? Until God made a what? Big fool of me. Until God makes... Let me ask you, would you just surrender and submit to the fact that you're not as intelligent as you think you are? Or do you want God to have to humble you? Bible says he uses the foolish things of this world to confound the wise. And the weak things to confound the mighty. Must you be disgraced and dragged before you understand you're not as smart as you think you are, as much as you think you are? That your Instagram followers does not mean you're approved before God. Or better still, your Instagram followers does not make you approved before God, better still. The blue, blue check sign before, behind your name does not make you, does not make heaven attend to you differently. Right? Heaven does not attend to you because you you know, you, you, you do it right on Sundays. Are you following me, everybody? Yes, sir. And somehow, Jesus was trying to instill this into the heart of this young ritual. And this is how you can tell that this young ritual did not understand the weight of what he was asking for. It was how his face fell and he left in shame. He left in shame. Why did he leave in shame? Maybe he was thinking Jesus didn't accept him. But the Bible says that he, he left with his face down because he had great properties. And so somehow when we say God first and we start to, you know, I randomly, randomly I'm praying and I tell, I'm t- I like to talk about myself and my servants, not because I am, uh, what was that thing, you know, what, there's, a, there's a thing they say preachers do where they make themselves the center point of the sermon and it's about them, it's about the Bible, and it's different. I'm not, I'm only trying to tell yourself, tell you guys, that God has put me under the blade in several, several, several locations. Several times I could be with someone, right? Say a man of God, right? And there's always this tendency to want to, you know, a fellow pastor, and there's always this tendency to want to like, you know, measure your ministry with this person. And sometimes, you know, and, and when you start to feel like you're better than the other person, there are times like that, even this morning, I met with a man of God, he's a great guy. We didn't even get to talk long, right, before I came to church. We didn't get to talk for long, but I loved this dude. But I, I got, I, me getting to this point where I could humble myself and just do this was not because I felt I was better than this person. Several times I could be meeting with someone and those people could just test me, right? What if I ask you to give, to, to um, shut everything that you're doing down right now and surrender your ministry under this person? Would you be able to do it? Those hard questions... It's what makes me discover or reminds me that I am not Lord, even though my name appears on every sermon. Are you getting me now? This is what reminds me that I am not God, even though my name is on the receipt. Are you following me now? It is what reminds me that I am not God. I am not Lord. I am not Almighty, neither am I all-powerful. Are you following me, everybody? Yes, sir. It is things like that that God uses to remind me. And I mean, times like that, God can just randomly ask, all right, what if I choose this other person above you? And I have to be sincere. And I have to make a decision there and then. If I am not willing to let everything go, then I don't think I'm ready at all to follow Jesus. Are you following me now? It's not, like, it's not like God, Jesus did not want this man to have his, any, any wealth. But even think about it, right? In the book of Acts, when the Ellen church started, in the book of Acts, chapter 10, they're about, right? The Bible says that a prophet named Agabus in the previous chapter, I believe, declared, prophesied that there was going to be a famine, right? 
and uh, it just prophesied farming. But it was already in the, in the culture of the apostles that they were all natural givers. And so when the farming came, the Bible says they supported themselves. They were giving to themselves. They were, you know, they were, they, 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 they brought, that's why we have the story of Ananias and Sapphira, right? They sold their properties and brought the money to, to, to church. The church must run. People must be sheltered. Right? That's why the church was never really designed for one man. It was designed for everybody. Church was God's design right, for heaven on earth. Right? That we have our own resources, we have our own blessings, we have all these things. Now listen to me. Right? In, and, that, and so now, Jesus was trying to te- test this rich young ruler. When that time comes, would you be willing to offer up your goods and services as, as a sacrifice to ensure that the church keeps moving? Are you following me now? But not everybody, not everybody will. Not everybody is willing. And so this young, rich ruler stepped away. And then a few verses afterwards, I'm going to wrap up my sermon now. A few verses afterwards, Jesus then says this, you know, whew, he's like, man, all right, how hard is it for the rich to enter the kingdom of God? Right? How hard is it going to be? And the disciples were, and then he says, and then Jesus said, it is easier for a Carmel to go through the eye of a noodle than for someone who is rich to enter into the kingdom of God. And scholars have gone crazy over what this means. Because back then in, in Jerusalem, there was a little, I mean, there are different ideologies around what Jesus means. Right? Some people, and first time I ever heard this, I thought about it, an actual needle, right? So the Bible says, it is easier for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle, right? It's not possible, right? But then people say, oh, this is not, Jesus, scholars also say, Jesus was not referring to an actual needle, the one used for, for treading needles and stuff like that, for sewing stuff. That what Jesus was referring to was a little gate back then in Israel, in Jerusalem, rather. It's a gate at the back of, of Jerusalem that traders would go through when the main gate was locked. And these gates were so small that a, a camel would have to be stripped of its load. I would have to kneel to pass through it. Are you following me now? And so that's what, that's, that, so that uh, gate was called the eye of the needle. Are you following me now? But the matter is, regardless of whether or not it's a thread and needle, you know, needle, or an eye of the needle gate, I still say the same thing in both of them. What I say is, when it comes to an actual needle for, you know, for needling, oh sorry, that doesn't even exist, for, for sewing clothes, right? What I think of is this, before you can put a thread right into, through the eye of a needle that you use in sewing clothes, you have to be very careful. You have to watch attentively. You have to watch with so much care and caution. And so you have to try so many times. You have to try so many times. Because the Bible tells me that narrow is the way that leads to life, right? But broad is the way that leads to destruction. You've got to keep trying. And then it says, I says, narrow is the way that leads to life, but few find it. And so you have to look cautiously. You have to work hard, you know, keeping straight, trying to enter into that little eye of the needle. You get me? But if it is, I mean, that's for eye of the needle, try the needle, right? The other one, eye of the needle, that is the gates one. Before I can really say I am for God or God first, am I willing to strip off the load? Hebrews chapter, uh, was it? Hebrews 12 tells us of something. It says, let us now, it says, now having been surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us now strip of ourselves. Let us strip ourselves of everything that entangles us, even the sin that so easily trips us. Are you following me now? So what am I saying? The life of Christ is one where God has to be first. And how can God be first? If my desires are. How can God be first? If my possessions are, how can God be first? Amen now. And so this brings me to the end of my sermon. I mean, not like uh, Leslie's speech, but like something I wanted to show us. Now go to verse 32. Now, now go, go back, go back, go back. Jesus says that, verse 29, Truly I tell you, no person who you know, lives home, brother, sister, mother, father, or children, or feels for me and the gospel, will fail to receive a hundred times as much in this present age. You know, not, you're not just wait, waiting till heaven. Here on earth, there's a reward. Right? Health is yours. Wholeness is yours. Security is yours. Peace is yours. Prosperity is yours. Harvest is yours. Right? All these are yours. But then, and in the age to come also, eternal life. 
But many who are first, listen now, will be last. And the last will be first. What does that mean? This is Jesus telling us that listen, if you do it my way, right, your position in this world's society would not be, because it is the way, you know, the way positioning systems are done, hierarchy, hierarchical systems are done in the world, is not how everyone does theirs. The last on earth can be the first in heaven. Are you following me now? And the first here on earth can be the last in heaven. And so the first is the last, and the last will be first. But then, verse 32, now this is where my sermon has actually come from. Is this, they were on their way up to Jerusalem. When Jesus said this, with what? Listen, read that part, everybody. They were on their way up to Jerusalem with Jesus, what? Leading the way. With Jesus leading the way. You see, if God will ever be first in your life, then guess what? In every decision that we make, right? With our possession, with our gifting, giftings and abilities, with every decision that we ever make, if God will be first, then listen to this, Jesus must lead. Wow. That brings me to the title of my sermon today. In this part of Jesus, Savior Jesus, we are addressing or accepting the truth and acknowledging it, the truth that Jesus leads. Jesus leads. Jesus leads. Amen. Not my prized possessions, not my desires, not my great aspirations and dreams. Who leads now? Jesus. Jesus leads. Amen now. Let's be enough, everybody. Jesus leads. You see, we live in that time and culture where it is, it is common to be selfish. It is not a new thing to be self-centered. Even in prayer, right, we are praising God, not really because we want to praise God, but we're open to just, you know, that we can make God's head, you know, swell enough so we can accept all our, all our prayer requests without thinking about it. Everything we do in this world is from a self-centered place. We are self-centered, selfish people. We pray for ourselves more than we pray for our neighbors. I mean, we are so self-centered that if Nepal takes light in our place, we want them to run Nepal to take light everywhere else. Because that's, that's why we swap the window and we check, is there light? You get what I'm saying? Because we are self-centered like that. Are you following, are you following me now, everybody? But how much more? God has, God has great treasures for us in heaven. Right? And we can get these treasures by doing good. That is cool. Please do good. Don't come in and think I'm saying don't do good. I'm advocating for doing good. Give. Right? This ministry, this ministry puts your tithes and offerings to great use. Right? Advancing the kingdom of God and all that. Right? This sermon that you're listening to right now is made available because people actually gave. Right? But that's not just everything. For a place in heaven is just limited to those who follow. You follow me now? It is for those who follow. Amen now. Amen. It is for those who what? Follow. And so the question I have is who is leading? Who is Lord? How do you know who is Lord? How do you know if God is first? How do you know? It's not just about having that cute thing on your Instagram bio. Jesus first or God first or Jesus baby. Small girl with a big God. That, my dears, is crap. Don't just give me a small girl with a big God talk. I, I want you to walk the talk. In everything, put him first. Look at what it says in the book of Proverbs. It says, acknowledge the Lord in all your ways. And he shall what? Direct your paths. And this is what we have come to here at God's feet today. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. Father, we just praise you, we exalt you, God. We magnify you, God, for your time like this in your presence. We thank you, Father God, for this word. Right now, still standing, all standing, I just want us right now to say, Holy Spirit, and wherever you are listening right now, just say, Holy Spirit, wherever you are not first in my life, 
I apologize, right? I am sorry, God, for every place in my life, God, where I say God first, but really you're not first. Opinions are first. I am, myself is first. My desires are first. You know, it is me first. I run a me first government, right? I run a me first government with a, with, with a great title, God first on top of it. But really it's me first, God. I apologize, God. I am sorry for every place in time, God, where it was really you first, God. Even in my service to you, I was always concerned about my service to me over my service to you, God. I am sorry, Holy Spirit. God, we apologize, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. In Jesus' name. Listen to this now. Here's why it's essential that, we, that God comes first. Because listen now. He didn't think himself. The Bible says in the book of Philippians chapter 2 that even Jesus did not think himself God. When he humbled himself and took the form of man, came down, just like you and I, took the likeness of man, came down in flesh, to die, and he died. He didn't die a cute death. Jesus didn't hang on the tree like, like you know, that image on, on, on Nike shoes, right? Like he was trying to dunk or something like that. He wasn't hung on a tree like that. Jesus did not, was not hung on a tree, you know, with, you know with, with foam supports and stuff like that. He was hung up on that tree brutally. He died what you would call, what we call a gruesome death. Are you following me now? Yes. Bible says in the book of Isaiah that he's his face was unrecognizable. He was beaten and battered. And all that not for his own purpose, for you and I. And so when God says, you first, he didn't just say it, he walks the talk. You get me now? I want us to be a generation of Christians who don't just talk the talk, who also walk the talk. Who don't just walk the talk, who don't just talk the talk, but also walk the talk. Amen now. Amen. Sorry. And so this is why God has believed, I believe God has brought this word to us today. I believe God has brought this word for us so we can, we can just reminisce on this truth and just think about it, right? All through this week, I just want us to do that thing where we are internally measuring and weighing it. Is God first? Where does God stay? Where does God sit? What room does God occupy in my heart? Is God really first? Or is it just a cute thing I say? Amen now. So I want us to do that this week. God help us in the name of Jesus. So we pray, God, we're gathered here to honor your word. Your word is truth, God. Sanctify them by your truth, Jesus said. Thy word is truth. So Holy Spirit, God, we, we know that as human beings, the complications of this world can, can sometimes complicate even our priorities, God. Where we, 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 can, we can say you are first, God, but when it comes to the nitty-gritty of life, God, when it comes to the details of life, the components that make up life as it is, God, it is hard. There is things that need to be done, meetings that need to be held, uh, places that need to be attended to, God, things that need to be, conversations that need to be had, God. There are jobs that need to be taken up, God. There's things, you know, there, there is so much that we need to do, God. And sometimes it feels like there is a contest between God's will and my will. God's way, my way. God's service, my service. Self-service. So Holy Spirit, God, we pray, God, in every of these ways, God, that we remember the sacrifice that you paid for us. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. That we remember the weight of the sacrifice. Amen. And as we remember, Holy Spirit, that we would indeed put you first. Amen. In all things, Amen. in all ways, God. Amen. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Holy Spirit of God. We give you praise and glory, Father God. May your name be praised, Jesus. Come on, if you're grateful to be in God's house right now, give it a big hand.